Righteous Father, King eternally mortal, invisible with all power, to you be all glory and majesty, honor, dominion, and power. You are worthy of all glory, honor, and praise. You deserve it. We as mankind don't deserve it, but we demand it from one another. We demand it when we try to make people fall into our political correct schemes. When we try to make people like us, despite the way we conduct ourselves. Teach us how to give you the honor that to do your blessed name. Teach us how to walk uprightly before you, so that we will not be an abomination before you. I ask this. In the blessed name of your holy child, Jesus the Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, the Messiah, amen, amen, and even so, amen. It's a sad commentary that I'm going to lay out for you all. The life of people that call themselves Christians. Speaking of those that don't know the history of what is called Christianity in the West. I'm speaking of those that consider Christians to be a follower of Christ and never even think about all of the atrocities that have been done in the name of Romanism, starting way back to the time that they were able to take over the Hebrew people. And the things that were done by Constantine, the so-called great, their inquisitions, their enslavement of our people, their doctrine of discovery where they would go through and conquer lands and rape the women and take their resources and do it in the name of their Christ who never, ever resembled the Messiah, or even according to the Greek word Christos, which was the Greek word for the word Mishiach, never resembled his ways, his character, or his being. I want to say that from what I've observed, and I've observed well, and I've compared what I've observed what is in actuality taking place in this world and what that is is that many of us walk around as practical atheists practical atheists now you can hear different debates and you'll hear different ones talk and they'll ask you do you believe in Zeus you may hear them say do you believe in Thor do you believe in Odin like where we get today Wednesday from Odin, Woden, Woden's Day, that's why it's spelled so funny. You might hear them talk about Ra, Osiris, or such and such, and they say, well, if you don't believe in them, you're an atheist. Well, I'm here to tell you, I believe in them. What do you mean, Tim, you believe in them? Are you saying you're polytheistic? No. But I believe when I say the Most High God, that means something. I believe that when I'm talking about spiritual entities that have power, such as principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, Shadim, Satars, 
different things that our Bible talks about as being beings that are other dimensional than us, that have powers, that have the ability that when Aaron's rod was thrown down and it became a tanim, we call it a serpent, and theirs turned into a serpent that was powers. When we see different things that they were able to achieve, and even Moses talked in Deuteronomy chapter 13 and said, when you see and God allows things that happen from their beings, he said, I'm allowing those people to prophesy or say something to see if you'll follow me. I'm saying when I don't believe in them or when other people say they don't believe in them, they say that they're atheists to those gods and they just add one more. That's ours. Well, my Bible teaches me that there are spiritual entities and that there are spiritual beings. But there's one, Psalms 82, 6, that sits in the midst of them and he judges them and he says to them that they will die like men. His apostle Paul said that one day we will judge those beings. The reason I say that we conduct ourselves as practical atheists, when it comes down to the word of God, often we don't allow it to apply to our lives. We don't acknowledge him often in all our ways. Truly, truly, it's not necessarily him that directs our path. What I found out it is often is our culture, it's the things that we've learned in school, and often the things that we've learned in school come from atheistic background. It comes from a humanist construct. It comes from a Hegelian dialectic. It comes from the mind of man, and it comes from the oppressor that says, I'm better than the savage people were. I'm better than the people were that we have conquered, and we will give them a form of Christianity that will allow us to take their land, take their property, etc., and it becomes the accepted thing in schools to say that there is no God, or it becomes accepted unless this God, unless his apostles, unless all of the church fathers look lily white. There is nothing in it for the black man to do but succumb and be subservient. And yet, the very people in the schools that teach, they control the curricula with the United Nations, which is called UNESCO, and their system of education and how the world got to be. They say they hate God. They say there is no God, and everything is based upon science, and that they know the best way for us. But when we look, look at the results of the fruit of what has happened to us. Do they really want the best for us? Does the fruit show that they want the best? Does our lifestyle show that they want the best? Maybe we let two or three rise up above so that they can keep the rest of you in line. See, he made it, he made it, he made it. And in certain circumstances, some people can rise in spite of or despite the things and laws that hold you down. But other people that are born into the favorite class, they are a product of the benefits thereof. What is a people to do 
whenever they're in the position of being brought down low, of having to struggle to make it, being under the dominion of those that can shut them down anytime they want to, make them stay in their homes when they want to, take their homes when they want to, take their land when they want to. No, I'm not talking about in the past. Go look up the term eminent domain and you'll see what that means. They can force or they plan to force different types of vaccines and inoculations on you that can experiment with many drugs so much so that you can watch television in the daytime and they say this drug has been such and such has caused death, caused kidney failure, caused cancer, caused heart attack, caused stroke, caused uh, whatever. And there's a such and such a billion dollar suit file in right now and then you get a little part and then the people filing the suit get more. You see it all of the time. How, if everything is so careful, does this happen all of the time? Well, in the book of Haggai, we see a people that have been put down low. We see a people that when it comes time for crops, it's low. When it comes time for pleasure, it's gone. And these very people are people that say that they love Yahweh God, Yahweh Elohim, somewhat like some of us do. And they knew how to sacrifice. They knew the Hebrew language. They knew the prophets. They even knew the color of the They even knew that these prophets that are living right now, they didn't have to go back in the past and say, did this person really live? Did this person really write this? Was this something that was redacted? Is this something that's set up for what is called higher criticism, lower criticism? We don't even have to deal with it because we got the people that wrote the manuscript of the scripture right here, right now. And even with all of that, having seen the Most High God's presence, were living as if there were no Most High God. In other words, what I would say, practical atheists. When an individual lives as a practical atheist that have been exposed to the teaching of God, there is something that the Most High said that he would do to that people. I would submit to you That as long as we live as a practical atheist, the things that he said that he would do, he will do. And they are not pleasant. They are not joyful. They are not something that's going to bring you peace. Because listen to me. Listen to me as I change my voice. We're all sitting, all sitting on the edge of our eternity. We are all sitting on the edge of our eternity. Most of us will not be in another hundred years, maybe 50, some less than that. I may not even be here tomorrow. But we're talking about things with eternal consequences and we act like we're just going to that if I went 
win it, I'm good. If I lose it, I'm good. Whoever claps their hand, whoever gives me some kind of adulation or adoration because of what I say, I'm going to feel good about it. And yet eternity is there. And as long as we act as practical atheists, there is no reason for us to ever say no justice, no peace. There is no reason for us to ever look for judgment or justice, because if there is not the God of this scripture, who is going to deal with someone for how they have done not only our ancestors, how they've done us in how we deal with one another? Because often we are so cruel to one another, starting with our families, starting with our wives, our husbands, our parents, our children, then our co-workers, then the people that we are with, then the people we borrow money from and don't pay back. The Bible said the wicked borrow and they don't repay. People hit cars and we run off because we don't want our insurance to go up. We live like practical atheists while we can sing all of the glory to God, say religious words, and fool one another as if there really is no true Yahweh Elohim. I said the word God is from the Greek word God, but it's actually talking about a supernatural being, the one that's the most high of all. He has many names, El Elyon, El Shaddai, etc. Many of you all know that, and I'm not going to go through it. But the problem is, this. It's the same problem the Hebrew people had after they had seen so many of their relatives die. Maybe 600 at 600,000 at this time, because by the time Moses died, 605,000 of the men died that had turned against God. Moses said this to these people that saw the miracles that we want to see. Because I remember singing as a boy, I'm looking for a miracle. I expect the impossible. I I feel the intangible and I see the invisible. But in the lives of those of us that were singing the song, where was it? My God, I think we paid 15 to 20 years of bill, a, a little piece of a building where I see QT, QT gas stations go up in the South. You see them crack the ground. You come back by in three or four months, they're already making money to pay back that and that, whatever it is, whether they borrowed the money or used their own. Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 4, the Bible says, no, don't do 29 and 4, Tim. I want you to get the full text. Deuteronomy 29 and 2. Please bear with me for going backwards because, see, I know what it says, but I have to take into consideration somebody may be looking at this that hadn't read it. And Moses called all Israel and said unto them, You have seen all that Yahweh did before your eyes in the land of Egypt. Please, if you're not familiar with what Yahweh God did in the land of Egypt, avail yourself. Make yourself listen to it on a phone app. Make yourself listen to it on a CD. Or make yourself read Exodus chapter 7, Exodus chapter 7 through 12. And if you see that, then you go back to Exodus chapter 1, and then you see what was happening. Then you see how they were beating the people. You see how they were doing genocide. You see how they were getting rid of the males, and they were going to wipe out a nation of people. And these people had their gods. They had their power. They felt good about their power. And Yahweh said, I'm going to execute judgments on the gods, the Elohim of Egypt, as well as Egypt of Mitzrayim. That was the real name of the place. And we see what he's done. So Moses is saying, 
to saying here, you see what Yahweh did before your eyes in the land of Egypt, and to Pharaoh, and to all his servants, and to all, and the great temptations, the great testing which your eyes have seen, and the signs, and those great miracles. Listen, yet Yahweh have not given you a heart to perceive, and eyes to see, and ears to hear unto this day. Yet, Yahweh haven't given you a heart to perceive what you were seeing, to understand what you were seeing, to understand his power, to understand his ability for you to overcome obstacles, to bring you out of slavery, to bring you out of oppression, to get you together where you can trust him no matter what the situation is, whether it's oppression from somebody else, whether it's oppression from a spiritual side, whether it's drought in the land, whether the water is bad, no matter what it is. He hasn't given you eyes to see. He hasn't given you ears to hear until this day. And then Moses said, And I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not waxed old upon you. Neither has your shoe waxed old upon your foot. You have not eaten bread, nor have you drunk wine or strong drink, that you might know that I am Yahweh, your God. And then he goes through and tells them about the different lands and the fights that they had under insurmountable odds that they won. I would submit to you that many of us today have gone to church, have sat under the, I mean, the real butt-naked word of God, and still haven't had a heart to perceive, eyes to see, ears to hear. Because when it comes down to every facet of our lives, we don't look to see what God has said about it. We look to see what somebody says is common sense. Common to who? Common to somebody that's your contemporary? Common to somebody that's fallible? As opposed to what God has said who is infallible, who is eternal? Yes, often we go to the wrong part. So since I say, and since I know it's true, that many of us conduct ourselves as practical atheists. The only hope that I have for you and me is if we return to the Most High, if we return back to him, he'll restore us. But if we don't see and if we don't understand that we're in that predicament, if we think that we're already good, if we feel that we're already righteous because brother so-and-so say I'm a good person, sister so-and-so say I'm a good person, or because I star in a movie. Let's say if I star in a movie, and in this movie, I'm in a movie and I become an actor, and I star in this movie and I, and I talk to the dead. I literally talk to the dead, the very thing God say don't do. I practice ne necromancy and talk to the ancestors. And I get influence from the ancestors. Or whenever I go out and there is something that is given that is supposed to be fair and just, a contest, and I lose. 
and there have been certain ways that they can make a coup and cheat me out of, I mean, cheat the other person out of what they want. And I can cross my hand across my chest and because somebody white make the movie and they make it to be black, I can start saying Wakanda ever and never think about they're talking to the dead. The very thing God said don't do. The very thing that in 1 Samuel chapter 28 and 11, we see that the witch of Endor calls Samuel back from the dead. We can see the very thing that when Saul was trying to walk with God, he put them out. And we can look at the book of Isaiah. You're going to go to spirits that peep and mutter and not God. And we're going to be Christians. And we're going to put our hands across our chest. And say Wakanda forever and praise somebody because they were an actor or because they died? Would that would the most high praise? Would Jesus praise? Or would Jesus be the kind to say, No, no, you can't talk to the dead. I can talk because I am God in the flesh. My father is God. My father to him all men live. And if my father tell me to speak, then he'll come out. I'm not you. Do we want to continue to look at things as if we got a secular side and a godly side? But that's how we live. And I tell you now, when Yahweh say I have no other gods before me, that means not a culture. Not even our own opinion. We're actually walking around as practical atheists who need to be restored. Let's go back to where we were in Haggai. We stopped around the 13th verse last week, and it's on the Facebook. I think it's on the put it on the podcast yet. It'll be on the podcast whenever it gets on the podcast, and you can go back and listen to that one. So in Haggai 2 and 13, the Bible says. Then said Haggai, oh, for those that say, I thought the word was Haggai, well, if you pronounce it that way and I'm pronouncing it this way and you know I'm talking about the same person, are we okay? All right. Because, see, I found out today when somebody wrote my name, they called me Tam. He's um, he's Oriental. I think he's Vietnamese. And I didn't know he was calling me Tam till I saw it, T-A-M. But I'll answer to that. It's close enough. But it says, then Haggai. Then said Haggai, if one is unclean by a dead body, and touch one of these, shall it be unclean? Those of us that have gone through the book of Numbers know that death spreads, and God did not want his people involved with the dead. He didn't want them to have a dead body around. Somebody said, Tim, where will you find some of that? I'll say, in brief, go to Numbers 35. That's why it's so important, because death defiles God is about life. It says, if any touch of thee, it will it be unclean. And the priest answered, it shall be unclean. In other words, death spreads. Then answered Haggai and said, so is this people. And so is this nation before me, says Yahweh. And so is every work of their hands and that which they offer, there is unclean. What that means is whatever they offer to God as a sacrifice because of who they are. Because of how they have structured their lives. They've structured their lives to build up their homes, to build up their place. But yet, they were supposed to be going back to build the temple. Listen to me. I think this is a red herring of pulling you off 
No, the scripture right here, we're talking about what they're offering is unclean. But I really want you to understand the real purpose is for them to build that house is that if you go back and look at, at Yahweh's pattern, Yahweh came to the people in the cool of the day. What people? Adam and Eve. He would come to them in the cool of the day, it seems. And one day he came in the cool of the day and they had done something they shouldn't have done. They hid themselves from him. And he asked them, where was he? And he said he'd hear himself. He heard his voice. And he found out in the conversation, not in his not in his intelligence, in the conversation. He's going through the conversation as if he's doing an inquisition. And in doing the inquisition, Adam starts to lie. Adam starts to put it up on his wife. His wife starts to put it up on the other. No one wants to take responsibility. And when he talks to the serpent, the serpent's putting it up on no one. He doesn't get that opportunity, but we see that Yahweh wants to move in and out of the midst of his people. Then we see he builds a tab has them to build a tabernacle because he says, I want to dwell among them. And the tabernacle, he makes a structure just like we have a human structure with our skeletons and our bones, etc. It holds up our body and then our flesh covers it and he wants to dwell in us. At that particular time, he still wanted to dwell in the people, but he wanted to give them a visual, and the visual was a tabernacle. From the tabernacle, they had a tent in Shiloh. From that, they ended up being able to have a temple under the days of Solomon. Now he wants them to go back and rebuild the temple, and instead of them building the temple, they had some obstacles, they had some opposition, and they went on and built their homes, and they built their own cedar. And so everything that they would offer, everything that they were doing, it was doing it almost as if he wasn't there. He had told them, I'm in, I am here, but yet you have not followed me. You have not followed the way that I want my thing set up so that you can have the ritual, so I can teach you the importance of the wages of sin is death, so that I can teach you that I'm the one to justify, so that I can teach you that I'm the one that restores. I want you to have my temple because I'm trying to prepare you to rule the world under my dictates as the king of the world. In other words, creating the kingdom of God. So he says every work of their hands that they offer is unclean. One, you haven't gone far enough with me. Number two, you have put me last. And in doing this, he says, and now I pray you, consider from this day up, upward, from before a stone was laid, a stone in the temple of the Lord. Now, if you look at that, which is kind of amazing, that stone, you consider, let that be like a stake in your heart. Let that be like a cornerstone in your heart. Consider, from this day, before there was a stone laid upon the temple of the house of Yahweh, it didn't say house, it said a temple in, uh, before a stone was laid in the temple of Yahweh, which is the house of Yahweh. Since those days, when one came to a heap of 20 measures, there was but 10. You might not know what 20 measures is, so let's say it like this. Before one came to a heap of 20 buckets, there was but 10. When one came to the press vat or the vat where the wine is to draw out 50 vessels, I don't care if the vessels were gallons or two gallons, you came to get 50 out of the press, there was but 20. On the first one, the measures, you got only half. 
Now you've gone to the place where now you're only getting two-fifths. Somebody say, what does two-fifths mean? I don't understand fractions. So if you're 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, if you went to get 50, you're only getting 20. 30 is left. That's what that, it may not be what it equals, but you should be able to, to grasp that. He says, I smoked. You were blasting. I, I, I'm submitting to you. I'm, I'm declaring to you that it's not the other nations that's our problem. It's not our school that's our major problem. It's not the false religion that is our major problem. Yes, they may hurt us. They may take our lives. They may take our property. But our major problem is when we treat Yahweh like he doesn't exist and he fights against us. He says, I smote you with the blasting and the mildew and with the hail in all the labors of your hand. Yet, yet, can I say yet two more times to make it really stick? Yet, in spite of, yet you turned not to me, saith Yahweh. What's the big deal about that? Understand this. If you really want to learn, if you came here to learn something, then I'm planning on giving you something to learn. If you just came here because it's a ritual, really, you could go to Netflix. I don't spend time in God's word to give you bubble gum. So what I want you to understand, their, their parameters, their paradigm, let me use words that people use every day, their world. The things that they were used to, the things that they had been taught and that they had heard their parents and their parents say, and the things that were important to them when they had their service was this. They knew what God had said about living a life that was outside of him. In other words, living like, like a practical atheist. As far as God is concerned, when you follow other gods, you don't follow me. So you can use the word atheist or you can just be like the fool. He said the fool is said in his heart, what? There is no God. So what I want you to see is this is the background that they had. So when Haggai is telling them this, this means something. When Haggai says, I smote you with blessing, with mildew, with hell, and with labors of your hands, and you turn not to me, saith the Lord, I want you to understand what he's doing. He's taking them back to Moses. If you don't understand, I know I've said it before. It doesn't mean that you've heard me say it. All of the prophets quote Moses. Every single one of them quote Moses. They quote Moses because Moses was given something from God to give to them. Moses was not the originator, but he definitely was the what you call the disseminator. In other words, Moses didn't come up with it, but he surely handed out, okay? He was one that gave what God's word say, and therefore it made the word valid. It made the word authoritative in of itself. It didn't matter who Moses was anymore. It didn't matter, matter who his parents were, were anymore. It didn't matter what school he went to. You went to the school of the Egyptians. How are you going to tell us about the Hebrew guys? God, it doesn't matter anymore. He's been chosen. So let's go to what he told the people in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1. Because I want us to understand this passage, because in dealing with us, and many times those of us who have become practical atheists, in need of changing, in need of redemption, if we don't understand the problem, many times we won't look for the solution. If we think that we're good when we're not, that's the problem. 
So Moses had told the people, and this is what the people need to understand when Yahweh said, I got you. I'm the one that put that. It, black people, we used to have some saying when I was young and dreaming. Uh, somebody would do something wrong. And somebody said, man, they put that yoke on you. In other words, when they used to wrestle on TV, sometimes people would be running. they catch them in the arm and they call it a yoke. And that became a term of somebody either beat you up, they put you down, Yah put the yoke on you. So it, I gave you time to be able to, I think, type it up at least close to it. Deuteronomy 8 and 1, Moses says to these children that have grown up, maximum age is 60, except for Joshua and Caleb, the parents have died. And Moses is telling them, warning them of the Most High God. He says, all the commandments which I command you this day shall you observe to do. Let me say that differently. All of the commandments which I command thee this day, you shall observe to do that you may live. Red letter that in your mind. All of the commandments which I command, I don't ask. I'm authoritatively telling you, this is God's authoritative, authenticated word, which I command you this day, you shall observe to do. And this is another way to say, you shall love God. Obeying his commandments and loving him and not turning aside to the left, that's my left, right, that's my right, that you may observe to do all that I command you to do. I submit to you, if you go to Joshua chapter 1, verse 6 through 9, you'll see Yahweh tell him that as an individual. Now he's talking to the nations. It says, you, that you may do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. I heard Dr. Claude Anderson say something the other day. I hadn't caught him saying a long time, but I caught it. In order for you to build wealth, you need land. Y'all was giving them land. Land with all of the minerals contained therein. Gold, silver, oil, cobalt, even the soil, to be able to grow stuff. That you will possess the land which Yahweh swear to your fathers. And I shall remember all the way which Yahweh your God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee. That's the test. To know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no. Whether you would believe in him or be an atheist. Whether you would walk with him in blessing or would you turn against him and he have to judge you and bring his wrath upon you. That's what it's saying. And he humbled thee. And suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna that you knew was not. He humbled thee and suffered you to hunger so he could show you that I know how to feed you. And fed you with manna, fed you angel food, food from heaven that you knew nothing about. He didn't even know he could do that. Neither did your fathers know that he might make you to know that man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of Yahweh does man live. How do we live now? Do we live like that when we get ready to vote? Do we even look at the platform and say, do these people, whether Republican, Democrat, whether they're socioeconomically engineered type of people, whether they're Marxist, I don't care what they are, I don't care if they're 
Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, or even Timmerit, do you look to see if he's talking about the word that proceeds out of God's mouth, the people that stand up in your church and testify, the people that's preaching to you, the people that's teaching your Bible class, the people that you are around, do you look to see if they live by God's word? Do you look to see if they go by what proceeds out of God's mouth or what has been set up by a college or an institution to be theologically sound? He did to prove you to let you see that you know man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord, uh, Yahweh does man live. Your clothes, they didn't get old. They didn't wax old. For 40 years, they didn't. Notice. This is important. Your raiment wax not old upon you, neither did your feet swell these 40 years, and you shall consider in your heart as a man chasing his son, so Yahweh your God chastens you. When you have people that feel like they're good, when they're atheists in their heart, in their construct, and they are teaching your children, and you're gonna, they give you a, their child a piece of paper, and they get that child a piece of paper and say, now you got a master's and give them this one, now you got a bachelor's, and they give them this one right here and say, now you got a doctorate, and now your child come out of school and saying that there is no God. I would submit to you that they have fed your child something that does not come from every word of God. When your culture say it doesn't matter whether you follow God, whether you follow Ra or Osiris or your own mind or energy or you just spiritual, what you have done is you have shown that you are willing to walk away from him take his blessings and then attribute it to someone else and feel like it's going to be okay. Well, the Bible says in that case, he chastens you. It's just like a father chastens his son. In other words, the son get out of line. He chastens him, not because he hates him, but because it's going to be bad for the, chi the child. And I want to bring him back. So Yahweh says, as a man chastens his son, Yahweh chastens you. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of Yahweh your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. Yes, fear. You got a problem with fearing him? Do you? I can show you some guys on the street. If they tell you to get off their car, they mean it. You better fear them. As long as you're not leaning on that car, they probably be the nicest people to you. Okay? When you hear somebody sometimes say, I told you, you got me twisted. You might, you might laugh at the terminology or the idiom that they use, but you'll find out when they twist you what they mean. He says, Yahweh, thy God, bringeth you into a good land. Listen to the resources. A land of brooks of water and fountains and depths and springs out of the valleys of the hills. Listen to this. A land of wheat. When you love right now that you could own a land of wheat, a land of barley, a land of vines, fig tree. Do you know how good a fig is when it's on the tree and it gets purple and you pull it again? Oh yeah, pull it just a little bit and it drops down and it is so sweet to the taste of the little seeds just crunch in your mouth make a fig newton taste nasty. A true fig is good fig. Pomegranates. Land of olive oil and honey. That means you got a lot of bees there doing the producing. The land wherein you shall eat bread without scarceness, and you shall not lack anything in it. A land whose stones are iron. Listen to the minerals. Iron. And out of whose hill you may dig brass. When you have eaten and you are full, then you will bless Yahweh thy God for the good land that he give you. Beware lest you forget Yahweh thy God not keeping his commandments. And don't beware lest you become an atheist. 
Beware lest you become an atheist and I got to chasing you. Beware lest you become a practical atheist. You can still be going around doing the sacrifices. You can still be going around doing the songs. You can still be going around and have my temple there. Beware lest you forget me. And if you think I'm wrong, you know nothing about Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that caused Israel to sin. You know nothing about David and his adultery. You know nothing about the different kings that came up that followed and went to other nations and got the patterns of their altar and brought it back to Judah. But they still call themselves worshiping God in not keeping his judgments and his statutes as I command this day. Lest when you eat and I'm full and has built goodly houses and dwell therein. And he goes on and said, I do want to get the silver and gold because I talked about that. And when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and thou has multiplied, then thine hearts be lifted up and you forget. Yahweh, your Elohim, the Lord your God, which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. When you see Yahweh, I'm going back to Haggai now, precious. Haggai 2, back at 2 and 17. When you see that he said, I did your press fat, you went to go get the vine juice, the wine. You went to get 50, you only got 20. And he said, I smoked you with blasting, with mildew, with hail, and all your labors in your land, yet you turn not to me, saith Yahweh. This is where he's coming from. This is what he said. I kept my word. This is what he's saying. I kept my word. I kept my word even when you all didn't have anything. I told you this is what I would do. Then you went through a time where you had almost everything and everything was good. And yet what you do, your heart got fat. Then you forgot me. But I told you I'd send you somewhere else. I keep my word. So Haggai says in verse 18, until the now, from this day upward, from the 4 and 20th day of the month or the 24th day, look at it, the 4 and 20, it says the 4 and 20th day of the ninth month, so in other words, the 24th day of month nine, even from the day that the foundation of Yahweh's temple was laid, consider it, consider it, think, just think, set it down like a stone in your mind and then branch off of that, is the seed yet in the barn? Yea, as yet the vine, and the fig tree, and the pomegranate, and the olive tree, have not brought forth. From this day, I will bless you. Wait a minute. How is that? He says, from this day, I will bless you. And again, the word of Haggai in the 420th day of the month saying, speak to Jerubbabel, or to Jerubbabel. We got a problem. We see that he's going to restore. We see why he has caused this to come upon them. We've seen that it was prophesied. But can we work with it? Because I want you to see that we're going to get to a restoration. But I want you to see what the problem is. I, when I hear that in my mind, I hear Martin Lawrence, what the problem is. I don't, I, I, it bothers me that I can't hear it and say, what the problem is. Well, let, let me say it one time, see if I can get it out of my mind. What the problem is, you determined in your mind that Yahweh wasn't your God anymore. You determined he was your genie and that you were maybe Major Nelson or that you were Aladdin and you had a lamp. You determined he was no longer your sovereign God. And you determine I can just mention you when I want to and everything is okay. I don't have to be obedient. So let's go to Deuteronomy 30 
I've already read you what he said, what some of the promises of his judgment would be. I want to take you to Deuteronomy 30. And the reason that I want to take you to Deuteronomy 30, I want us to understand what's going on. I want us to understand about the restoration that can take place. But there's no restoration that's going to take place outside of what he says. So in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 1, this is very important for you to hear. Please listen. And it shall come to pass. He's talking about the cursing, like the blasting, the mildew, et cetera. If I read all that, you might, you might, if you got black hair, it might turn white. It says, and it shall come to pass when all these things have come upon thee, the blessing and the curse, which I have set before thee, thou shalt call them to mind among all the nation whither Yahweh has driven thee. Without going deep into it, do you think America was our indigenous home? Do you think the Caribbean was our indigenous home? Haiti, Dominica, different parts of Spain, different parts of the world where we've been scattered. Who else has been scattered in chains, on boats? Well, you don't have to agree with that part, but you understand that we have got an oppression here. We have been brought here as chattel, and there are laws on the books that you can go and read that show that they sold us even with our government to work in coal mines, build railroads, pick cotton without pay. And that many times we were killed and are still being killed. And often, if you look at what happens as opposed to what is said, often nothing is done. I bring the, I bring the picture of Ahmad Aubrey. Nothing in this world was going to be done. Nothing. And if you feel that you're a Democrat or a Republican and if and, and voting and getting the one that you want in there is going to make things equal, not as long as Yahweh's hand is against us, they'll give you any kind of person that they'll put up any kind of person to be over you and let you see what kind of lifestyle, what kind of morals, what kind of judgment. And you'll even have it where they can say, I ain't doing nothing for black people as an individual. I do something for everybody. When I do something for everybody, I've done something for them. And yet, everybody wasn't beaten down by our government. You don't see a difference when you read the scripture? I mean, you don't see a similarity? That's a problem because these scriptures are written for your learning, Romans 15 and 4. So when these things happen, and I set before thee, you will call them to mind among the nation where Yahweh has scattered and driven thee. And thou shalt return, listen, and shalt return unto Yahweh your God, and shalt obey his voice. Notice that's not missing. Notice Moses didn't equivocate. Notice Moses didn't backstep. Notice Moses didn't say legalistic and shall obey his voice according to all I command thee this day. Okay, that's one time obedience in the second verse. Thou and thy children with all thine heart and with all thine soul. I will submit to you, he's saying, love God. Because the Shema 6 and 4 Deuteronomy, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Here he says, keep and obey these commandments with all thine heart and with all thy soul. First John 5 and 2 says, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. I know what it says. Verse 3 Deuteronomy 30. That then Yahweh thy God will turn thy captivity. 
Stop being an atheist. Stop acting like a practical atheist, and I will turn it around. I will restore you. Do you see it? If you return, if you teshub, that's the word we get, we use for repent. Yahweh says, then Yahweh thy God will teshub. Yahweh your God will turn thy captivity and will have compassion on you and will return and gather thee from all nations whither Yahweh your God has scattered thee. Isn't that a beautiful blessing for you to stop your atheism? Isn't that a beautiful blessing to know that people that have held you down, people that have done things to your ancestors, things that you've done to people yourself, things that you know you can't get right, but if you turn back to him, he can give you a new slate. But when you are atheist, you feel like I'm good anyway. I don't need Yahweh of the scriptures. I don't need those scriptures from dead men that were living back then. I don't need them from a dead Moses. I don't need them from a dead Malachi, a dead Mark, Mark, Luke, John, John the Baptist. I don't need anything from a dead Paul. But do you need something from a dead Kant, K-A-N-T, for those that want to think I'm being smart alecky, from a dead Hegel? From a dead Aristotle, from a dead um, Plato, Socrates, all of those people that's in my great books. Do you need something from a from a dead Reagan? Do you need anything from a dead what's his name Eisenhower or a dead Roosevelt? Do you need anything from a dead poet Homer? Do you? But yet, when those people write, oh, it's so great. Oh, Karl Marx, he was delicious. When it comes to somebody to tell you God's word, all they are dead men. Yet we repeat things that we've learned in the past and things that have been built up and things that have been set in place before we got here from those men. And yet when it comes to the things of God, we dismiss them right off the rip. We are becoming practical atheists. Many of us already are. He says, if you be driven, it says if M in verse 4, if any of thine be driven to the uttermost parts of heaven, you imagine where Jerusalem is and look at where we are now. Look at the people in Dominica. Look at the people in Haiti. One of the problems that Haiti had is that they beat Napoleon to Saint Louverture, whipped Napoleon's stank tail. I didn't even know anything about that about two or three years ago. Heard Dr. Claude Anderson talking about it, and I went and checked it out and seen how true it was. What does that mean? You could win the war, and unless Yahweh give you his power, you could win a war, and they can put sanctions against you, and nobody do trade with you. Everybody do barricades, or they besiege you with sanctions, and come and take your land, take your property, take your children, sell your children as whores, come and set up things with foundations to build up things for themselves, and even a, a ex-president of the United States and his wife can come and take over your land, take over your property, and have it done with the UN and take over your rights and there's nothing you can do and you know you are the descendant of Yahweh. What have you, but what if you start worshiping instead? Practical atheists. If any of thine be driven to the utmost part of heaven, from thence Yahweh your God will gather thee and from thence will he fetch you. I'll go get you. I know where you are. And Yahweh, your God, will bring you to the land of your fa- that your fathers possessed, and thou shalt possess it. He will do thee good and multiply thee above thy fathers. Do you understand? We can build up our nation again if we stop being atheists. If we stop it, he can build us up again. 
and we stop letting Margaret Sanger and the eugenics, eugenics that was set up by Margaret Sanger that came from Charles Darwin's cousin by the name of Francis Galton that is perpetuated by Bill Gates and his family. Yes, look it up. And many others that talk about there's too much population. It says that Yahweh will do you good and multiply thee above thy fathers, and Yahweh will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed. The very thing that he told him in the beginning, he hadn't given you a heart to perceive. He will circumcise the heart of you and your seed to what? To love Yahweh. That means to be obedient, to love Yahweh your God with all your heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest live. And Yahweh thy God will put, listen, listen, if this don't bring joy to your soul, you're not biblical yet. Somebody say, I can argue with you, Tim. Can you really argue? Can you give an opinion? Because biblically, you're not going to be able to give me a line of reasoning that's going to be contextually set, that's going to be, I don't even want to use the word hermeneutically sound. I'm going to say based upon the context of scripture sound, listen, and Yahweh, your God, will put all these curses upon enemies and on them that hate thee, which persecuted thee. I see a lot of memes nowadays. What have we ever done to make the people in power in America hate us? What have we ever done, Andrina? We plowed your land. We dug out and dug your sewers and cleaned them out before they were called sewers in the 1800s. We took our women's breasts and put it in your baby's mouth and fed your babies. Then the same women would get beat and often sometimes go get taken out of bed and get raped at night. And the husband, there was nothing he could do about it. We, we plowed your fields. We planted your cotton. We picked your cotton. We raised your animal. We cleaned out your stall. We, when you couldn't bring no more black people over here, you took our sons and made them go and breed. And I think it was in North Carolina, uh, South Carolina. You took them and you, you bred our people like that. We wouldn't know our children. You took our land. You had us scalped by Indians. And you paid them $25 a piece. You take a, a, a general that became a president, Jackson. He go kill 4,000 of our people, march so, so many of them over to Tulsa with the, one, with the ones that were black Indians. All of the Indians were not black, but many of them were. And to this day, you've given restitution to those people that are called Indians. You're giving restitution to people like Elizabeth Warren that call herself an Indian that's a white woman. That's why she's called Pocahontas, because under the D-A-W-E-S Dogs Commission, many of our white brothers paid $5 to get classified in the census as Indian, and they get paid. You give money to China. You have given money to the Japanese. You give money to Iran. You give money to Iraq. You send money all over the world to build up stuff. But when it comes to black people, nothing. You let people come across the border that's looking for a better life many times. You give them more, and they come willingly. We didn't come willingly. We were on ships. They said that the ships stank so bad they could smell it a, while, a mile away. There were many of our people thrown off. You did that. What have we done? Listen to me. Those that love Democrat, if you love Democrat, I already know you feel that the, 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 the Republicans are racist. 
And I submit to you that when you talk about a system of racism and you talk about a system of conservatism, conservatism is based in racism, systematic racism, where is one group of people will be over the other. If we allow you to come in, we allow you to come in under our auspices, but we already own the land. We already own the gold. We already own the silver. We already control the legislative group. We already control the constitution. We already got things set up so that if you get a chance to do something, it's because we let you and don't ever feel like you're equal to us we might let a few of you all get in to do certain things but if we get everything back like it was you'll have no rights according to uh, judge justice tenney the 57th judge of the supreme court they said a black man does not have a right that a white man has to respect it's never been taken off the book the 13th amendment will still be on the book that we can still be sold as slaves the 14th amendment which was written for us is still going to be given to everybody else and we don't get the benefit but the companies that use the 14th amendment so that they could bring other people in here to take our jobs they got to use it i want to say to you what have we done that if you took the people that say we love Democrats, and you take all of those people that's walking around with black lives matter that are not black and to look at their belief system that was written by somebody that's not black look up malachi garza Look up the name of the woman where she says she's a man now. But so look it up and see what they say they believe. And, and think about it. What would they do if right now, if I had the power to put Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, the brain Bill Clinton back, put Hillary back, put Booty Jag up there, whoever it is that you got, and they, and they do, they say we are going to give the black people the restitution that they deserve. We're going to give them the equivalent of two states. We got enough federal land that we've taken. We're going to give that to them. We're going to make sure everybody trade and do business with them. And we're going to make them tax exempt so that they can catch up with the things that were taken from them when they weren't able to go to school, when their lands were taken, ancestors that were killed. Do you think that they would say, yay, black lives matter, yay, you're doing it for the black people? Or would they never let that person get in office? You want to see how much somebody really loves us? Look at when you talk to them about that. You see, because biblically speaking, when I'm not an atheist, when I want to go by God's word, it talks about restitution. So we already know the Republicans haven't given us restitution. How are you going to act like the other ones are? I submit to you, many people that are Christian hearted today wouldn't give us restitution. That's in the past. So you're not biblical. You're not biblically oriented. Well, let me go back and just get the point. I'm saying that they don't love you. We can give all that money to Israel. We can give all that money to Israel. Where, the, where, where you got Hitler, a white man, a German fighting other people that are supposed to be German. Because he said they were German, he said they were mixed, and we can give them money. We can declare them an ethnic group. Donald Trump did that when he get that kind of power. Do you think God recognized them as an ethnic group? That's Hebrew? I mean, that's, that's Jew? No. But anyway, and Yahweh, your God, will put all these curses upon your enemies. We can't do that, Andrina. And on them that hate thee and which persecuted thee, and thou shalt return and obey the voice of Yahweh your God, and do all his commandments which I command you this day. And Yahweh your God will make you plenteous in every work of your hand, and the fruit of your body, and the fruit of your cattle, and the fruit of your land. 
for good, and Yahweh again rejoice over thee for good. Get it? When we return, when we stop being an atheist, when we return, there's a blessing that come upon us. When we return, he will fight our enemies. When we return, he will set us up. Nobody holds us down unless Yahweh lets it happen. Then he says, if thou hearken to the voice of Yahweh thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes. Notice condition. If you shall hearken to the voice of Yahweh your God to keep his commandments and his statutes which are written in the book of the law. And if you will turn unto Yahweh your God with all thine heart and with all thine soul. If you really want it, we can't, we can't keep going. We love God. God is this, and we're not returning. We can sing. We can clap our hands. We can say God is good. We can say amen. We can say hallelujah. We can do all of those things, but we haven't returned. He is not tricked. God is not mocked. The foundation of God stands sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. And it says, and let everyone that name the name of Yahweh or the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. And it says, if you return to the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, but this commandment which I command thee, it is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who shall go to heaven and bring it to you? You know what he said? He said, don't say that. Don't give me that kind of lip. Don't give me that kind of folly. I don't want to hear it. Now, what I want you to see, when you look at something like that, I want you to see this is the very thing that I told you when I was talking about Charles Stanley and I was talking about the wickedness of his gospel, which you call the Christian elite. I call them the Christian elite because of the fact people feel that, oh, well, they know and, you know, they can tell us what is what. But I want you to see what the Bible elite has to say. Not Tim elite, but the Bible elite. So when Moses says this, he's saying something powerful. Deuteronomy 30 and 13, uh, and 30 and 12, it is not in heaven that you should say who should go up into heaven and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. See that? Now, when you go to Romans 10 and 6, before you get to 10 and 9, the Bible says in Romans 10 and 6, but the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above. He is quoting from Moses, who shall go up to heaven and bring it to us. In other words, the word is made flesh. I don't know if Moses knew that the word made flesh was going to be coming down, but Paul is saying that what Moses is saying, who will bring Christ down? We know that he is the living word because the word of the Lord will keep coming and touching and talking to people. So who will go up to heaven that and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? 13, neither is it beyond the sea that thou shalt say who shall go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear and do it. Look again, 10 and 7 Romans, before you get to 10, 8 and 9. Who shall ascend to the deep, the abusos? That's what the abusos, the deep is, the abusos that is to bring Christ up again from the dead. Paul is saying the deep, the depth of the sea, who is going to go and bring him up from the abusos or from the depths? That is from the dead. But he says, but what saith it? The word is nigh thee. 
even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That's Romans 10 and 8. Let's go back to Moses. Deuteronomy 30 and 14. But the word is very nigh unto thee, in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. We made practical atheists by telling them to just say the sinner's prayer and just believe. That is not what Paul is saying. That is not what this. Remember, Paul is a Hebrew. Paul is a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was a Pharisee. He knew what the scripture said. He said, but the word is nigh you. It's in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. I want you to understand something. When he says it's in your heart, notice what God had told the people. I don't know if Paul wrote Hebrews. I believe he did. But in Hebrews 10 and 15, the Bible says, Hebrews 10 and 15, want to say it's in your heart? Whereof the Holy Ghost is witness unto us. For after that he has said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith Yahweh. I will put my laws in their heart, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. That does not move the fact that it said obey. He said, I'm going to write it in their heart. Paul is saying here, the word is in your heart. It's in your heart. That's the word of faith, which we preach. And James, the brother of Jesus, said faith without works is dead, being alone. Romans 10 and 9, that if thou confess, if thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, it didn't say the Savior Jesus. That's why he's talking about Jesus and Yahweh's Son and Savior. It's Lord first. I'm not going to be your savior and you're not going to be a subject to me. You are damned before me. You confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God is raised and from the dead thou shalt be saved. You stop being an atheist. Let me go back to this. I'm going to, I'm going to explode that before I finish. Let's go back to Deuteronomy 13. I mean Deuteronomy 30, I'm sorry, and verse 14. 30 and 14, Deuteronomy. But the word is very nigh thee in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. See, I have set before thee this day life and good, death and evil. That's what that is about. Romans 10, 9 and 10 in context is about life and death. It's about good and evil. Verse 16, in that I command thee this day to love Yahweh your God and walk in his ways to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments that thou mayest live and multiply and that Yahweh your God will bless you in the land to possess it. This is the problem they had in the book of Haggai. They had walked away from him. They had stopped building God a house. They had built their own and gone about their own business and Yahweh sent the curses because I've already sent you to the other land. I'm going to make you so hard right now that you won't continue to forget what you need to do to get right with me. Many of us, we go and make a prayer. We make a confession before people and we never change and build Yahweh the house to dwell in and we think we okay. And when somebody tell you you're not okay, you want to damn them, you want to curse them, you want to run away from them, you don't want them in your life, but Yahweh is watching and he will bust, he will bust your tail. I don't want to say tail, but I want to be nice. 
Yahweh says, verse 17, But if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but you shall turn away and worship other gods and serve them, whether that's your culture, your religion, or whatever, I denounce to you this day that you shall surely perish. Many of us are going to perish because we are practical atheists. We are practical people that are hedonism, that say pleasure is the highest goal. and say you shall surely perish and shall not prolong your days upon the land, whether you go over Jordan to possess it. Yes, and then he called heaven and earth to be a witness. Back to Deuteronomy chapter 8, uh, no, Romans chapter 8 and 9. I'm sorry, it's 10 and 9. It's not 8 and 9. I was in the 8 verse, and it's 10 and 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Well, we take that and we mess that up. What do you mean, Tim? Well, you think that's the first time people ever confess with their mouth and that God saved them? Let me make sure that you understand how Yahweh works. In, Rome, in uh, Exodus chapter 19 and 3, I want you to see what he's drawing from. He's talking about Moses. In Exodus chapter 19 and 3, the Bible says that Moses went up to God and Yahweh called to him out of the mountain. Thus shall you say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, you have seen what I did to you, Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed, if you will obey my voice indeed, if, if, and keep my commandments, then, that is modus ponens in every way of logic. Modus ponens, if-then situation. Then you shall be a peculiar treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak unto the children of Israel. And Moses called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words that Yahweh commanded him. Listen to the confession with their mouth in verse 8. And the people answered together. Here's the confession. All that Yahweh has spoken will we do. Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. We think, oh, that's the New Testament. We confess with our mouth. That's not new. They did covenant. You think I'm telling a damnable lie? Go to 24 and 1 Exodus. Because Moses went up and came back, and then they talked again in Exodus 24 and 1. The Bible says, and he said to Moses, come up unto the Lord, unto Yahweh. You, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and the seventy elders of Israel, and worship ye afar off. And Moses alone and shall come near Yahweh, but they shall not come nigh. Neither the people will go up with him. And Moses came and told the people all the words of Yahweh and all the judgments. And the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which Yahweh have said, will we do? All the words they said, will we do? And Moses wrote all the words that Yahweh, Moses wrote all the words of Yahweh and rose up early in the morning and built an altar out of the hill and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. He sent young men of the children of Israel, which offered the burnt offering and sacrifice peace offering and oxen to Yahweh. And listen, this is important. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and the half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. So they sacrificed, he took and put them in basins, and he poured some on the altar. Listen, verse 7 is very important. And Moses took the book of the covenant and read it in the audience of the people, and they said, third time, all that Yahweh has said, will we do 
and be obedient. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant which Yahweh have made concerning all these words. I submit to you that that blood is saying this is a death to you if you don't do it. It's a covenant. It's a covenant. So much so that it's repeated. For those of us that don't like the Bible, Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 18. Listen to what, when the writer of Hebrews is talking about that situation. It's talking about the shadow. Everything that Moses did was a shadow. Everything that Moses did was an earthly tabernacle. It was not heavenly tabernacle, but it meant something. It meant something for us because it was supposed to prepare us. That house of God needed to be built so that God can show what I want to do inside of you and show my power of being with you. And if we're walking around as practical atheists, he doesn't have us as a house to live in. I ain't saying he didn't have a house to live in. I was very careful with my words. Ninth chapter, Hebrews, verse 9, whereupon the first testament was dedicated without blood. Notice, whereupon neither, that neither is very important. It look like that didn't sound right. Whereupon neither was the first testament, it was dedicated without blood. In other words, it was dedicated with blood. Well, when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of the calves and of the goats, with the water and the scarlet and the wool and the hyssop and spoke and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, this is the blood of the testament which God is enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of the things in heaven should be purified with these. The patterns, the patterns of the heavenly, the earthly, that was just a pattern. But the heavenly things were better than these. For Christ is not entered to the holy places made with hands, which are a figure of the true, but into heaven itself, but into heaven itself not to appear in the presence of God for us. I want you to understand what is being said here. If Moses doing a tabernacle, which is just a pattern, and they had to obey, which is just a pattern, and blood was shed, substitutionary blood. Now, and it was done in that earthly temple. Now, when Christ comes, and he is the arbitrator of his own covenant, and it's his own blood, and he is the one that's speaking, how dare we say that we don't have to obey him when everything that's being pulled is to show you that it's a pattern. When everything in Hebrews, would I be teaching the whole book of Hebrews? Because God knows if I did, it would be even more severe than what I'm saying right now. But the pattern of the heavenly is of that. Well, we make the confession. And hey, I, I, I confess, Lord Jesus, and you saved me from my sins. And now I'm saved. No. No. When they made the confession, they confessed him as Lord, and they said all that we've done, and then he said we'll do and be obedient, and then they entered into a covenant, a blood covenant with him. Well, Tim, did you finish your passage today? No, I really thought that I would, but in looking at the time, man, I wanted to be finished. I'm not going to go ahead and finish. I just let that sink in, but um, I made. I just need to deal with Zerubbabel, but 
this I think is a good place to stop right here. That's where I'm going to stop. I'll tell you the rest of it. If you look at Hebrews chapter 10, it'll tell you that he did a new covenant and he writes his laws in our hearts and in our minds. Then I'll tell you that in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9, it tells you that he is the author of eternal salvation to those that obey him, those that take him as Lord. We walk around as practical atheists because we don't want to apply Yahweh to our everyday life. We don't want to apply him to our decisions. We don't want to apply him to our arguments. And then those that say that they do want to apply him often, they don't even know enough about what he has said in context to give you something that's consistent, that is not arbitrary, that does not really voice the sentiments of their thoughts. Usually what they do, they take their thoughts and wrap it up and say, this is what God said. Just like when I meet people that are spiritual and say they talk to the ancestors, most of the time the ancestors say what they want to say. And then they put it in the ancestors. Yahweh's not like that. His thoughts are not like our thoughts. His ways are not like our ways. As high as the heaven is above the earth, so is his ways and his thoughts above our thoughts. The reason that they were blasted, the reason that they were cursed, is because they had become practical atheists. The only hope for them was to return. That's the only hope that you're going to see when I talk about Zerubbabel. Because Jehoiakim had gotten a curse put on him. But because we see that Yahweh blesses Zerubbabel, one can infer that there must have been a change of heart in Jehoiachin. We'll talk about that later. Father, I thank you for your eternal word. Thank you for showing us you're consistent. And that you keep your word, whether it's to bless us, chasten us, or curse us. And Yahweh, that means you will judge us eternally if we walk around and say we love you. We won't keep your word. We won't love our brothers like we're supposed to. We're so selfish we don't give love. We're so wicked we won't tell the truth. We don't mind lying in front of people. We don't mind hypocriting in front of people. We don't mind putting on a show and acting like we're something that we're not. We don't mind putting on a show and letting other people suffer because of our indignities. We don't mind letting injustice stay as long as we get to look good. Father, if we don't change, judge. Judge, vindicate those that have been hurt. Vindicate those that have been victims. Vindicate nations that have been victims. Do, do your thing, Yahweh. Do it. Smite. Smite, Lord. Smite. Put the curses on our enemies, Lord. Let them be cursed. Let them be damned. Let their children be no more, Lord. Let them be let them be victims of war that they have executed against your people because we didn't want to do right and because it was already in their heart to do that. Lord, if there's somebody in that group that want to repent, Lord, you God, you let them repent. You let them re repent. Happy for them. But those that won't, Lord, give them what they need. Let the measure that they meet, that they meet it out, let it be measured to them again. I ask this, I ask this in the blessed name of your holy child, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Amen. Amen. And even so, amen. Well, I open our class for discussion. I realized that, yes, I had more, but I felt it was time to stop. Uh, just because I'm enjoying it this much, that don't mean everybody in the world enjoying it that much. Uh, do I have any comments?
was I clear? Because a lot that that's very important to me to be clear. Because sometimes it's easy to be clear in one's own mind, but then somebody said, "I didn't understand what you what you meant." Was I clear? Very good. Is there anyone on the conference line? I don't see any comments on the Facebook. I want you to um, explain when you say practical, because I think that could, are you mean practitioner? Do you, I mean, practical. That's a good word. Practitioner is good. When I say practical, a person may not, they may not claim to be an atheist, but they are. If atheists are saying that there is no God, or I'm not sure that there's God, listen, when it comes to making judgments, what does God say? I, I don't worry about what God said. He did that to me. I'm going to get him. Or when it comes to getting a job, I, I don't care what God said about lying. I'm going to do what I want to do. Um, when it comes to many things, this, uh, this thing is interrupted, but anyway. Yeah. But whenever it comes to certain things, people will say or they will do what they want to do and act as if God doesn't exist. That's a practical atheist. I'm going to deny you in word, thought, and deed. Does that help any? It, it does. I just, when I was thinking, it sounded like you meant one who, 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 who is as an atheist, but still feigning to be Christian. But then when I was thinking practical, and on the other hand, I was just thinking, okay, well, doing sort of like, was sort of like what's necessary so it was i mean i think i i thought it made sense but every time when you would say it my mind would just be like okay you know but that's that makes I sense. should have said i should have said practicing atheist okay that would that probably that would have been better if i had said practicing atheist what do you think is happening why that thing he's saying this doing that is it just is it our internet and we pay, and we pay about the highest price too, don't we? But I would say they're practicing atheist, Gary. What else? No, I like how you went back to Deuteronomy and um, was pulling that in with Romans. I, 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 I thought that was very good, and I just just simply put, we ought to be, you know. Um, true to the word of God and, and to say that there was the three times where they said all that thou has said we will do. I mean, it almost made me think of when Paul, well, I guess it does. Paul said you did run well, who hindered you? But I don't even know if they, it don't look like they really ran well from the beginning. I mean, when they get out of Egypt and they start complaining and lying about stuff, it's just, um, I think when you were talking about the fear of the Lord, <laughs> We get we we let people tell us so many things, or we we start fabricating what we think it is, as if we created something. You know, we'll define what love is, we'll define what family is, we'll define what fear is. When you know, they tell you just just as a small example, if there's an eclipse, they say you better not look at it. You mess up your eyes. I mean, for real. And so we're not even going to fear the one who who's created this. So. To understand um, 
the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I mean, not to fear him is is simply foolish, just very foolish. And, you know, everybody say, Jesus, 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 but and we'll forget that he says, or, or maybe never even seen it. You know, he tells you to, to fear him and why. <laughs> you know, so... Um, I, I I thought it was I thought it was a good message and and actually, you know, for those who feel like it might have been hard, there was actually much compassion in it, much compassion and even to the prayer. So um, it it does behoove us and to look. I, I like when you you went the first time I actually heard somebody speak on that who shall go up in heaven because I had read it. It didn't I didn't understand it. Maybe sometime I think some of the things that were simple I probably made harder and the things that I thought were hard sometimes I thought I understood and you just keep learning that you might be wrong on both fronts but um I don't think the person explained it was in it was in one of the council meetings that we used to go to and I was like what but to hear to hear that we'll we we will make excuses you know but um just to be to to be true to God and, and to understand that um he 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 will kill and he he will kill and destroy. He 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 will. I mean he 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 can he can do that and he will do that. So um, I thought it was a I thought it was an encouraging message to be honest with you. It's like stop playing. Thank the Lord. Mm-hmm. So Sister Andrina, what was your title, Tim? And many of us are living as practical atheists okay. who need to be restored. But I, uh, but I really, um, I think in terms of, I think in terms of, I think the way I read, and so when I see it like that, in terms of the way I read, I'll say practical. But practicing would have been a lot better. That's that's all I'm saying. Well, I understand what you mean when you say the way you read. Yeah, but that, but but I'm glad you said that because I don't think that's going to be the last time I have to say that. That's not because I I see that a lot. I mm-hmm. see a lot of us living as practicing atheists. And actually, the the thing is back on on this one. It's not on my computer. But I just say that the way that we do as practicing atheists, look at what the atheists do. Look at their conclusions. For instance, if I realize that everything that I want, that I will march for, that I will be in a association with, or if I'm in an activist group, and if everybody in this group hate Jesus or hate Yahweh's son, the Messiah, don't want to hear anything about them. If we're advocating all kind of debauchery, if we're advocating doing things that's outside of God's will, and I'm 100% with them, I'm like a practicing atheist. If I feel that the things that my teacher taught me in school, and when they tell me that the Bible is written by a bunch of tribal people doing tribal things, and, and and I go along with that. I'm practicing as an atheist. If when it comes to me and you, Gary, if I borrow money from you, I remember one time I I wanted some money. I wanted to buy something. 
and I asked you to write me a check for, you know, a couple of thousand dollars, and you trusted me. Well, I could have said, well, he worked. I'd give it to him later. That's like a practicing atheist because the Bible says the wicked borrow and they don't repay. But if you were one of those guys, I said, that don't mean you're wicked, Tim. You're practicing atheist because you're saying your word overrules God's judgment of what wickedness is. So we have people that do individuals wrong in the family, wrong on the job. You know you're stealing these ink pens. Because you got 50 at home. Did he bring, why didn't you bring at least 49 of them back? You, you going through and you selling. Like this, they have things where sometimes you go to park. I, I hate the shop. But sometimes I may have to go do service work in one of these places where you have to get ticket validation or else you have to pay. Well, suppose somebody gives people ticket validation and they can get that and pay them $2 or $3 instead of them having to pay 10 to pay the parking. So they can steal like that. There's all kind of ways to steal. You promise people you're going to do something in the election and you don't. You have no intention to do something to bring people to help them out of poverty, to help them get justice. So now you're a liar, but you're a Christian. You are a practicing atheist. You believe that you can sexuate any kind of sex you want to, whether you marry with somebody else, with children. You can do what they're trying to pass in California. You can do anything you want to. You can watch porn, but you say you still love Jesus and don't keep his commandments. You are a practicing atheist. What I mean by that, you are practicing that there is no God that can give you control and determine what your thoughts shall be. Yes, you become that. To what now? What did she say? She said you become the God now. Okay. So these are the things that I'm seeing. This is why sometimes you look on Facebook and you see some people that are Christian and you cannot believe some of the stuff that they say. You cannot believe some of the stuff that they do. You cannot believe some of the stuff that they advocate. You can't see that. How did you? How do you get with LeBron James? What did LeBron James ever do to show you that I should follow him? That, I mean, when I look at him and I look at what he stands for, how he talks, his life, and compared to the Lord Christ. Somebody said you say Tim LeBron going to hell. I didn't say that, but I'm saying the Lord tells me how to judge. The Lord tell me how to judge. The Lord tell me what is right. Same thing when I see Robert De Niro. When I see Cher. Well, it's 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 similar to like when James talking. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You go ahead. I'm not. I was saying when James said you have respect a person because somebody in your assembly and they look like they all that. And the sad thing about it is, you know all these people who say that they're Christian, but because somebody has a status that's in this earth, you know, and still not hitting on anything, you know, you mentioned LeBron's, and I remember him walking around like a little bitty boy from, uh, from like some kind of magazine with his little shorts on and a jacket, and he was supposed to be looking proper and looking like he was wearing socks and, and, and carrying a purse. I was like, I don't know what that is, but he need to quit real fast, getting up upset. I'm like, he need to stop, you know, but 
I, it's 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 just it's really weird. It shows how far backwards we have become. And I'm like, what has he done? So he could open a school. Somebody probably helped him with some money and gave him some of that. But what has he done? What has he done? They say he has, I don't know how they talk about it, but a high basketball IQ. And I'm like, you, you have, it's, it's just, it's very frustrating. I, 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 which I don't know what it is, Gary, but it, well, I'm looking to see what do you do to build a kingdom. If you cross your right. hand across your chest and say Wakanda, and you ain't build right. a kingdom, or you were a black congressman that died, and they and everybody going to praise and elevate your name, what did you do for the kingdom? I don't care if you right. Elijah Comments. I don't care if you John Lewis. I, my Bible teaches me. Let me read you something out of my Bible. Your Bible might not say this, okay? Your, your, your Bible might be weak. So if it's weak, I want you to be able to take a page out of my Bible and and, and get your and get your Bible up to speed. So listen to what the Bible says. That ain't what I want. It, it's Psalm it, it's fifteen. I put in Psalm twelve. Because I'm looking at it like this don't look good. This don't look right. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says, in whose eyes? Let me let me read the whole thing. Psalms 1. A psalm of Dawid, David. Yahweh, who shall abide in your tabernacle, in your presence? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill, in your presence, with you around? He's going to answer. He that walketh uprightly, that's according to God's word, and worketh righteousness. That means you're working the judgment of God in your life and in the life of the others, and speaketh the truth in his heart. I'm not going to lie to make you like me. I'm not going to lie to look good when I mess up. I'm not going to lie to get advantage. I'm going to say what Yah said, because that's what truth is. I'm going to stick with him. Then it says, he that backbiteth not with his tongue. He that don't slander. I believe that would also mean he that don't slander with his meme. Somebody say, Tim, you said it about LeBron. What did I say? I said, I haven't seen him do anything for the kingdom of God, but I've seen him do things to slander. I've seen him do things that are popular. I said the same thing about the man with Wakanda. You think that I'm happy that he died with cancer? No, but I'm not elevating him to the status that he's somebody that's so great. He was acting in a movie. I see black people act all the time on the street. If you've ever been to the club, you see people act. Some of them act like they're rich. Some of them act like they're doctors. Some of them act like they, you know, whatever they are when they get to the club and they don't even, sometimes don't even have a home to go to. They live with their mama. He did bad by the top of his tongue. He's evil to his neighbor. You do evil to your neighbor. If I'm doing evil to end, that's my closest neighbor. I'm not going to buy this tabernacle. I do evil to people in the assembly. I'm not going to buy this tabernacle. He that taketh not a reproach against his neighbor. Verse 4. Here's where most people show that I'm a practicing atheist. In whose eyes a vile person is contemned. A rejected person by God is despised. We don't do that. You mean to tell me that you know this person a porn star? You want to tell me just because they can sing? So you're going to put 
These people, when they die, these celebrities, these black celebrities that can sing so well, you put them as your Facebook page. I don't care if it's Freddie Mercury. I don't care who it is. A vile person is contempt. But if they got to be a senator and they're black, if they got to be a congressman, if they're black, if they got to be a president, if they're black, if they got to be a congressman, if they're white, if they get to be a congressman, if they're Democrat, if they're congressman and they're Republican or conservative who you like and you know they're vile, like when Newt Gingrich was there, when I, when I preferred Newt Gingrich's contract with America, I saw how he treated his wife. And from that day forth, I have never felt good about Newt Gingrich. You going to leave your wife? And go get Callista? And you supposed to be talking about morals? You're vile. I see people got, they treated Jerry Falwell's son and condemned him and his mess, but you don't care. You don't care if a man dressed in drag and if a man makes fun of Christianity as long as he gives money to black causes. But what does God say about dressing like that? Even Dave Chappelle said, I'll never dress in drag. The Bible says, in whose eyes we can have vile people in our own home and we elevate them. That's my son. That's my wife. That's my daughter. That's my daddy. The Bible says, in whose eyes a vile person is despised. But he honoreth them that fear Yahweh. We don't honor people that love Yahweh. He think he knows everything. He think he good. He the goody two shoes. The Bible says he that swears to his own hurt and changes not. That's who I want to be. He that putteth not his money to usury. You see, the Lord know what I do. The Lord know what I do when we out, and the Lord know my wife taught me, Tim. You're not as generous as you should be to people that are in need as I hear on the street. She didn't say it by word. All she did was model it. You modeled it. That's all you did. And I saw and I realized you can do better. It said, he that put it not his money out the usury, nor taketh a reward against the innocent. He that doeth these things shall never be moved. I don't want to be moved. You're the one that said, Tim, Let's buy some coats. And when the winter time is here, let's give some coats away to some of those people out there. Then you say coats and blankets. You didn't say do it through a ministry. You said let's do it. You and me. That don't make me righteous because I do something for somebody in need. But let me tell you what it does. Let me tell you what it does. The Bible says, 6th chapter of Galatians, verse 7 and 8, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. I believe that if we want the harvest of God, we need to sow. And is not giving all your money to the tithe. Do you notice that I don't have on here, cash out me this, or, or, or give me money for that, or push pay me this? I don't say it's wrong for somebody to do that. But I don't want to be chargeable for money. If you can look on it, if you can get what you want to get, and you don't have to give me anything, maybe it will not turn you away from it. I can put it out here as long as God give me sufficiency. I'm going to do it. That's important to me. 
Andrina, what you got to say, precious love? Don't give me a peace sign. That was good. Oh, but I changed my voice. Give him a peace sign with your other hand. Gary, don't don't, <laughs> don't encourage me. <laughs> <laughs> you were reading the other Haggai or Haggai. Yes, precious. When you went back a little bit and you talked about how filthiness make other things filthy, yes. easier, yes, then holiness make things holy. Yes. Okay, so it's easier easier to spread filth. Yes, because you could touch one thing and it touch another. And defile things, then doing righteousness and righteousness perpetuates, or things become clean because you're clean. So th this is what we see, and this is what you were just talking about in the world. You see the unclean and how easily it, they defile even those who claim to be walking with God, to be righteous, and, or to be clean, and how easily they are defiled by the world. And this is what needs to be shown. See, when we when we get to see how people are so easily moved by the things and the cares and the people of this life. The thorns. Yes. The thorn birds. And we see how much honor they give to those things that don't deserve honor. Lady Gaga, all these awards. And they withhold honor yes. from those who deserve it. And, and, and when I say deserve it, I mean according to God's word. That's right. And this is what happens and it gets you get to see that the Bible or the word of God is not their authority. And that is not how they live their life. They live they live their life according to what's subjective, what's what I like, who I like what I want to say, when I want to say, how I want to say it. He doesn't govern them. He's not Lord, like you were saying. And they've made this confession, and they say, well, you know, and I'd like to say, uh, I, I, I'd like to get on to my Lord and Savior, and he's really not your Lord. Therefore, he's not your Savior either. Amen, because he chooses. And so you get to see who's really still in the world. So much, so much so that it's like, how are you bothered? And I understand somebody dies, but to be broken up and disturbed and shaken and, and, and man, I can't sleep and, you know, and you're talking about someone you don't even know. You have, you, someone you've just given honor to. And you can have people who die in your family, you're not even that mood. That's right. That in what we call the the uh, the Christian community, and you're not that moved. Mm -mm. Uh, and you don't put you don't even say, "Man, uh, uh, Chuck Missler died. I'm so broken up." Yeah, you know? Bob Morey. Yeah, just and it's like Robbie. I never see that. Oh, Robbie, I never see that. But I see these people follow the world. When Whitney died, just because. They're on social media, and this is how you stay relevant and get people to like what you do. And it's like, these are the people, he said, that you 
you desire the honor that comes from men and you seek not the honor that comes from God only. Only, yeah. So you get a chance to see who is where. And you get a chance to see why they're there. You hear even in the even when they argue certain things and they uh exalt certain people and they and ide- ideologies and groups and they tell you to back off, uh, you know, or uh, and you know, it ain't that serious but they coming at you and you, you really very see, seriously. You really see that you really see the people who walk in the council of the ungodly. You do. You do. And that's something that I think we don't we don't pay attention to it. We don't we don't see that we're following the ungodly into ungodliness. We think it's some gray area and that the Lord is not watching this and that he's just there's a section for entertainment and socialness, you know, and that you know, there are no marks there. You know, he's he's not over here. He we've compartmentalized him and that he's not over here in this. And so why you keep Tim, why you keep trying to bring him over here in this? I have separated him out of this. This is my social media. So I ain't got nothing to do with this unless somebody send me some meme and I want to resend it or something. Mm-hmm. But to apply it to the way I judge people and the way I see the world and I see that the, the ungodliness in it. Because we are supposed to judge. They always judge us according to their standard. And we are vile in their sight. And we're always vile in their sight. And the people that they like, those are the people they honor. They actually hold true to what the concept and what the directors are of Yahweh. They just apply it to their worldview and they do it. But when it comes to our worldview, we won't do it. And they don't worry about what we say, but we worry about what they say. And they're about conquering us. And they're about bringing out every one of our thoughts and our imagination and everything to make us subservient unto them and vote into with legislation that they can have our children, put them in our school, give them our curricula, be over our churches, be over our, what we call our Hebrew room where we go and learn, and that they can ter- tell us how we are to live. And we don't act like it makes a difference. We act like it's neutral. But they're choking. They are gaining ground every day, and they give up nothing. Nothing. If I could be made president today, you would rest fully assured they go in full force again to destroy everything that I held up on, whether it's the Army, whether it's the Navy, whether it's TV, whether it's the people, whether it's some kind of benefit that they give churches, they could go in and say, we want, we're going to go and start investigating. We might not be able to cut it off, but I watched the senators one time show we had the power to investigate Joyce Meyer, Creflo Dollar, and some other person. Was it Eddie Long? Well, the point being made is we can make life difficult for people. And we'll do that whether we have complete authority or not. But what do we do? Our job is to make, we're supposed to be plowing up ground for God. We're supposed to be casting down every imagination. 
We're supposed to be rooting up, tearing down so that we can build and plant, not so that we can have collateral damage and march over and say, this is what we've destroyed. No, this is what was destroyed so that God can have his edifice built. Tell me we're not practicing atheists. We do, we get our counsel from there, God. Mm-hmm. We, never, we let them tell us. We let Don Lemon, yes, he's Anderson a, Cooper. Don Lemon and Anderson Cooper, those are people that are so held up in high esteem by many people that are in the church. Saying, well, you know, this is what was said on Don Lemon's show. And we, we, don't do, we don't do Psalm 15 to him. And we let them counsel us. And tell us what we should be upset about, who we should like, who we shouldn't like, what we should be upset about. When do we go outside and march, and when do we stay in the house? We we're being counseled by the ungodly every day, every time we sit in front of Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, all of these stations. That's on to counsel you. Yes, we don't get, we they're don't not giving you the news editorial. Editorial you. is counsel. That's why you can get it on everyone. You think it's got to be true if it's on every one of them. And a lot of times they own each other. It's got to be true, and that's what they do in Christian elitism. But when I come from the book that you say in the word that you say you love, come on. I can't get a hearing. I, you, you won't sit down in front of me and listen to me like that for two or three hours, back to back to back to back, and hear the same thing right. over and over and over again. Almost like a child watching Veggie Tales or, or that Peppa Pig or whatever yeah. stuff they watch. It's like, you saw that. Like I watched Andy Griffith over and over. <laughs> yeah, with that drunk man in the bed. You know, even when we watch, but when we watch Andy Griffin or whenever I watch Andy Griffith with you, we say he's a liar. Yeah. Watch him lie. They're gonna tell a lie. Like, Opie is the honest, the most honest child. Yeah, but it's like Andy's good, but he's a big time liar. Big time liar. B is a liar. Yeah, she's a busybody too. But they're not sexuating all the time. Um, that's the thing. It's, it's being undefiled by the world is something serious. It is. And I don't think we think about it often enough, you know, and not to be counseled by the ungodly. And we, we talked about standing, what is it, standing in the, in the, in the past. It's the a, path it, of the sinner, right? It's a blessed. Well, it's sitting in the seat of the scornful and not walking the way of the ungodly. Okay. I'm sitting in the seat of the scornful. Okay. It's Psalm 1. Okay. Want me to quote it? Yeah. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sitteth okay. in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of Yahweh. And in Yahweh's law does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind driveth away. 
Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. So if we pay attention, we can actually be the child. You know how there were some people that went out and they said, Lord. Lord. Somebody sold some chaps out here. They did. They could identify it. They could see it. And they knew it was it's wrong. It's being revealed to us. We can see the chaff. What are we going to do? Check this out. In Proverbs, in Pro, not Proverbs, in Titus 2 and 15, I mean 1 and 15, it says, unto the pure, all things are pure, but to them that are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Mm. Even their mind and consciousness. This is why we, we can't get to the purity of God's word. It says they profess that they know God, but in works they deny him. Being abominable. I think the first time I ever paid attention to abominable was when I used to watch the uh, the Christmas stories. And they had the abominable snowman. Being abominable, disobedient, after every good work. This is what we this is what we see often in our Christian hearted communities. Reprobacy. To the pure. But they profess to know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and unto every good work. Every that sound like the people. Every work they do is unclean. And the last time I talked about it, I talked about Psalms, I mean, Isaiah 64 and 6, all their righteousnesses <laughs> is as filthy, menstrual, bloody rags. Yes, mm -hmm. that's what the Bible says. So I say it. Gary, do you have anything else, my brother? No, sir. Anybody else on the conference line? Have anything that they want to say they want to add? Well, I thank you all for joining me. I really appreciate the encouragement when you all join in. May Yahweh bless us and keep us. Make his face to shine upon us, to be gracious to us, and give us his shalom. Amen, amen, and amen. Good night, everybody. Good night.